missing in action from the debate stage, groceries, not guns, how we rely on DACA dollars, and are men doing okay? What a week. This is Matt Sinovic, the executive director of Progress Iowa. And I'm sick, but my name is Lauren McElmeal, <laughs> and I'm the digital director of Progress Iowa. And this is What a Week, where we break down top stories of the week. So first up is last night's debate. Um, if you watched the presidential debate last night, you saw for the first time in this uh, primary race, 10 candidates on stage in one night. Um, they they had limited the debate down to to a select group of people, um, so some some candidates were missing uh, for the first time, but for uh, but but also missing from that discussion were a number of of important issues, and uh, as as a as an advocacy organi- organization, we work on a variety of issues um, all all over the state, all of the spectrum of progressive policies, and it really stands out when these things drop off the table. So I'll rattle them off, and then we're going to, Lauren and I, we're going to take them just one by one, I think. The big one that was reproductive justice, LGBTQ rights. Uh, we thought personal health care stories were missing from this uh, for the most part. Definitely courts. M- labor unions were mostly ignored, um, and and then indi- indigenous issues uh, as well. So um, st- going back to the top of that list, I mean, Lauren, what were your thoughts on just the really the complete lack of discussion of reproductive justice? I a, a lot of the candidates tweeted out afterwards the a similar sentiment that we just spent three hours on the debate stage and there was no questions about reproductive justice. And I find it a little disingenuous that they are saying this, yet they're on that stage and they do have some power to pivot, bring up new topics in their remarks. There was, uh, in the most recent debate, I believe they talked about the Hyde Amendment as it relates to um, some of the healthcare plans, but nothing about how difficult and even impossible it is for individuals to exercise this right that we have fought so hard for and that is being stripped away basically by the day because all of these state legislatures and um, the Trump administration are emboldened to take to chip away at these at these rights and whether that's through the the Title IX gag rule where uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood have had to pull out of the funding and that puts their ability to provide good and compassionate, comprehensive health care in jeopardy, as well as just the sheer number of abortion bans that we've seen over the past year, uh, including the Alabama one, the uh, we were ahead of the curve in Iowa and had our 20 week ban in 2017 and then our six week ban in 2018. And then thankfully, those have been struck down. Well, the six week ban has been struck down by the Iowa Supreme Court. Um, but I, I don't think enough people know about the the minutia of what goes into people making these choices and that allows the right to really paint us with a broad brush that all people who 
seek out abortion care are one type of person when it is really number one, not a decision that that the government should be stepping into as it is a private health care decision, but also just there are so many reasons why someone might seek out abortion care and again to paint it all with such a broad brush is intellectually dishonest and so we're giving up we're ceding that ground by not bringing up any questions about this uh maybe one of the questions could have been like what would you say to a 16 year old living in Texas, where the debates were held about how she's going to access reproductive health care in a way that uh, she she might have to drive 200 miles to find a clinic that's willing to to do the procedure. She might have to have a waiting period where she has to take in this instance, if she's 16, she probably has to take off school. She probably has to find someone to drive her there. She has to have the money to afford the procedure. And these little barriers add up and become huge roadblocks. And if we're not talking about this, we're it's kind of like that you can't be what you can't see sort of thing, where if you are not hearing about things... We are just allowing the stigma to further ingrain itself in this discussion. And by that, it, we're letting the right win on this issue then. Yeah, we're and, and seeding the ground is a good way to put it. I mean, it's a it's not like if we don't talk about it, they're going to stop talking about yeah. it. And and so it's 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 obviously incredibly important, especially given the I mean, the wave of attacks that you talked about. Um, and I I just don't. I wonder if there's going to be, uh, I wonder how the next, I always, always wonder how these moderators set, set the questions and wonder if any of the reaction to this debate will inform the next one. Uh, I believe it's in October. It is. Um, and, and so how that's going to shake out and how that's going to play out. Um, because I think that there's, there's, there's room for not just, I mean, on, on, uh, reproductive rights, but also on on some of the other issues that we mentioned. I mean, there's space for some of these candidates to make distinctions, and I think that's something they're all trying to do without getting into too much into the weeds on that. But like, but I think this in, but I think it's it's a critical, a critically important issue that that we we certainly hope um, will will be highlighted in in in, in future debates. I think also just the. The issue of reproductive health care is a big deal for any individual who can get pregnant, and that is more than half the population, and to be completely f- not forgetting or shuffling aside these issues is outrageous because we would talk about a number of issues that affect like the economy affects everyone. We Mm -hmm. talk about that, that we talk a lot of these quote unquote women's issues, I think are thought of as secondary to issues like the economy, like foreign policy, like a lot of these quote unquote, like real issues. And a lot of the time, the first things to get given up when we're, 
fighting or compromising on things is women's issues and and later on we'll talk about lgbtq issues Mm -hmm. too but we're setting a precedence for not talking about these and that gets dangerous because we cannot be we cannot be fighters for this if we're not willing to talk about it and especially in a democratic primary where there would be some differences but but yeah i think i think there'll be a lot of agreement and i think most everyone would would mostly have the disagreements with President Trump and the Republicans in Congress or in these state legislatures that are doing these terrible things. And so I think maybe that's part of why that's not what I mean. I don't I, I don't know. And I'm not, this is not excusing George Stephanopoulos or the moderators for this. But I wonder if I mean, they jump right into the 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 biggest policy differences because they're trying to stoke conflict and we've talked about this before like they try and make it a game um between these candidates um and uh to try and uh, to try and drive conflict and and make it uh, make it a clash that more than a policy seminar it's that's a shame when it comes to this when it comes to reproductive justice and and everything else that we talked about lgbtq rights were the mentions of it were few and far between. And I think we sometimes forget just how much progress we are still need to make on this. A lot of people think that the struggle for LGBTQ rights ended with the Obergefell decision, but it really is so much more than marriage equality. It is not being fired for ha- being LGBTQ. It is not being able to find a house because you are a trans woman or a trans man or because you're you can't get a you this is I feel like this is one of the sillier examples, but there was an entire court case on this. You can't get someone to design a wedding cake for you. There are all these little things that again, like abortion restrictions, add up and become demoralizing and really affect the experience of the LGBTQ community. And if, again, if we're not talking about it, we're not fighting for it. And I think that the lack of, I wouldn't, maybe not the lack of effort, but the lack of, uh, the lack of discussion around this is to our detriment that we are going to start seeing, again, like, with compromises, a lot of these rights get chopped from the table to get to compromises on other things. And the only reason that it's that easy to give them up is because we're not talking about them and we're not giving them the attention that they need. Yeah, like how hard would it have been to ask uh, to, 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 to ask the question, we are in the state of Texas where you can still be fired for being LGBTQ, and what would you do to protect to protect that community? And and it, the answer should be easy that there should be a federal non discrimination law that that makes that protection explicitly clear. Which but, there has been in the House, the Equality Act. Right. I'm not familiar with all of the little policy bits in there, but I would. It's something called the Equality Act should include housing protections, employee right. protections. Yeah needs to the the equality act is literally sitting on mitch mcconnell's desk right now because he won't bring it up for a vote and that's a 
they talked a lot about the, the, the shootings in Texas, as they should have. Um, they talked a lot about other Texas-related items, but, but the fact that you could be fired in that state for, for being LGBTQ is something that easily could have, could have been asked um, at some point during, during last night's debate, but unfortunately wasn't, along with a lot of other issues. So we're going to just go through these one by one um, because they are, they're really important. I mean, I, we, there was, I want to, I, I do want to talk about healthcare stories because there was a, there was a, back and forth about who's going to pay for what and who's going to and and the, the the Medicare for all exchange and I think that's interesting and important but what's also important is that people's lives the the example that you gave about the 16 year old in Texas having to drive you know to get reproductive health care stories like that are how are how people who are listening to these debates in my opinion really connect with the issue and so I mean, just this week, you had two stories uh, that we can post in, uh, uh, when, we, when we share the, the, this week's episode. One woman who talked about how her private health insurance was so great until she got sick and until she lost her coverage. Um, another saying that, she, that they would still have their daughter if not for uh, the, the, the fear of health care costs. I mean, so and, and th- those were both in Iowa. These are, these are both riveting stories and, and, and impactful stories that people can relate to that take these, you know, back and forth policy discussions that, that the debate moderators want to see, um, turned into the, into political, you know, back and forth, but really put a fine point on it and connect. And so those kind of stories were not, didn't, weren't really highlighted last night. And I think that, that the discussion is worse for it. Exactly. I think that if you really want to connect with, in this case, voters, but with anyone, you need to put a face on the issue. And if we continue talking about numbers and statistics, and I love a good statistic and I love a good number, but people don't listen for numbers, they listen for stories. And if we're not telling people about what these policies do to people, then we're not doing our jobs. Um, another important issue that was completely left off the table last night was uh, the courts and the, ju- the judiciary. And we talk about this a lot at Progress Iowa. We work on this issue a lot. It's the 800-pound gorilla in the room because no matter what plan you have, no matter what plan you have on climate change, on health care, on any issue, if you don't have a plan for the courts and to help make it a more uh, progressive, fair-minded uh, judicial system, then you're not going to get anything done. And President Trump this week, they confirmed his 150th judicial nominee on Wednesday, which is terrifying uh, Lindsey Graham, the new judiciary chair, called it a historic milestone and said, quote, these conservative judicial appointments will impact our nation for years to come, end quote. And if that does not just send a shiver down your spine, I don't know what does, because these are these are appointments that we can never get back. Um, and and we have to have I, our candidates they all, they need to be talking about this. A lot of them are. They're, they're talking about this on the campaign trail. A lot of them have plans on this. But we need to be talking about this in a big way to make sure that 
we are leading on, on, on the courts. I think in Iowa, we've been very lucky to have, uh, the courts sometimes, not all the time, come in and really reinforce our ideas and what we'd like to hope are common sense ideas. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not always. Not always. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I said. I, I know. Yeah. But we could very well lose that the second that another appointment comes in or, I mean, we all recall the drawn out Kavanaugh uh debacle which i believe we're coming up on the one year of which is mind-boggling and i think that people don't quite realize that how much the courts affect what laws get to stay on the books and that there are fights all over the country right now about big issues like the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, we're like, waiting on a decision right now. Yeah, from in Texas, right. which that could have been a question Absolutely. that could have been asked like, hey, we're in Texas. They're having a lawsuit about the Affordable Care Act. If any of your plans go through and they end up before a district court, before the Supreme Court, what's your plan for that? One other issue that was that was barely touched on last night and hasn't been a major focus of any of the debates, I don't think, is is labor unions. And we are still in September, which we've declared uh, Labor Union Appreciation Month, along with more than 75 partners. If you visit thankyunion.com, there's more information about that. But it is just it's so critical that that we talk about the importance to the importance of organizing or, or the right to collectively bargain and organize in the workplace um, a, a, at a federal level, and and there was some mention of that last night, but not More nearly used enough. More as a political cudgel for yeah. a different debate. Yeah, it was it was, but there 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 ought to be a broader discussion about how we can expand workers' rights um, and how we can kind of cure some of this imbalance where you have. Um, I mean, the the numbers that we've the, the research is pretty clear about how as union membership declines, inequality rises, um, the pay, the gender and racial pay gap is less in, in for for workers who are in a union. I mean, all the so many things that we that we see as uh, as a problem in our in our country and in our economy um, can be solved by by giving workers more voice in in their workplace and 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 so it's 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 a it's it's a shame that 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 is not talked about in a more specific and focused way and i know we've talked about this on uh, earlier that but candidates are talking about it i think candidates are talking about it on the campaign trail that needs to come up in one of these national platforms with millions of people watching i think yeah i think one of the things that i've kind of noticed about when we get to debates is that candidates will talk about issues like labor, like indigenous uh, issues in specific forums that are specifically catered to those audiences. But those issues don't just affect the people who get to be in that room and watch that. These are nationwide issues that deserve a wider platform and we're doing ourselves a great disservice to just keep those niche audiences informed and not broaden it to the larger public. Like indigenous issues are part of our nation's history are extremely 
complicated for a lot of us to understand. The first step to getting uh, getting our feet wet with these issues is just putting it out there, getting a question in on a national debate. Joe Biden mentioned the Violence Against Women Act once. There could have been a question about the protections for indigenous women in the Violence Against Women Act and how are we going to solve this epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women and how all of this comes together. And again, I feel like these are kind of the core issues that get left off in favor of more flashy issues. But just because they're not quite as flashy or they're a little more wonky does not make them any less important. And also the publicity factor for a lot of these is what's keeping a lot of people from fully understanding just the huge importance of getting these these sort of issues dealt with and fixed and brought to the fore. So I think generally what what we've been saying is that the discussion needs to be much broader if we're going to have a fully rounded idea of what we're getting into and what the specific distinctions are between candidates and their platforms. And if we're if we're not making those distinctions, then I don't think we're do that I don't think that we're doing our job as consumers of this media. It's just so important to when you have this this stage as a as a party and to 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 use that platform of 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 10 15 million ish people that will be watching to advocate for your for your set of issues for your ideas and so many of these things went missing last night. I just think it's we just think it's it's, it's a real missed opportunity when when you have that chance and and let it go by. Moving on to DACA now, we have a new study out that shows the economic benefit of the DACA recipients uh, across the country and also in Iowa, and it comes on the heels of the Supreme Court putting on uh, on their agenda. They're going to hear oral arg- oral arguments this fall uh, with a decision likely next summer um, about uh, whether or not the DACA program will be able to move forward. Um, the president has tried to block that, and this this case would try to overturn that uh, his decision to, to, to end DACA. And, um, and, and it's really just tragic on a human level that there are that there are 700,000 people in the country who have who were told that they would be able to stay here legally live and work here um, and and who are now getting the rug pulled out from under them but it also this study uh, uh, shows how how much our economy and our communities rely on them it puts a dollar figure on that so and not uh, and and again it's not just nationally but it, it breaks it down state by state which is pretty powerful um lauren do you think that and we'll get into the numbers i know uh, here in a minute but but do you think that this is going to be that this will, would make an impact with how people view immigration how people view uh these daca recipients um um, uh, or, or at least somewhat impact how they view view the issue? I mean, for people that claim that the economy is being squandered by DACA recipients or, or undocumented folks, I think this is a good kind of like, here are the receipts. This is what immigrants 
actually bring to our country and that $5.7 billion in federal taxes goes to citizens of who take out Social Security, who take out TANF, SNAP, Medicaid, all of that, none of which DACA recipients or undocumented individuals can access because they don't, they, they're just not allowed to. And so... Which is a whole other discussion. Which is a whole other discussion. Yes. And yes, but, but, but so I think putting a dollar amount on how much these people are literally funding our government and all of these services that citizens rely on, and that if we pulled that 5.7 billion in federal taxes out, how much our economy would look different and how many of the people that rely on these services that would just, have to go without yeah and i think it's even more that's a great way to put it and and it's uh breaking it down on an iowa level where doc recipients in the state here pay 12.4 million in federal taxes and 10.7 million in state and local taxes i mean just think about how much daca recipients are putting into our state government uh, as compared to facebook or apple who get just, you know, given every bit of every dollar in the world thrown yeah. thrown at them. Yeah, Apple's tax not going to fix any of our bridges, but right, like, but the, but the tax revenue from from from, from DACA recipients, recipients yeah, will <laughs> absolutely, and, and that that would cause a nearly eleven million dollar hole in our state budget, uh, and and I mean, th- they're they're contributing far more than some of these companies that are supposedly creating. Uh, however many jobs, although the accountability on that is murky at best, and that's probably being generous. Um, so I, I think it's just it is incredibly important to to remember there. Obviously, there's the, there's a very human element and, and a values. I mean, the, the, living our values as a state and a country means that we treat people with respect and dignity. That's a fundamental level, but it's also and a self t- and take in people who need right. our help. Right. But but there's also a selfish piece to this. So if you're looking out for the bottom line and and what's best for our state and our country from a budget standpoint and from a pro- programmatic stand policy standpoint, these they're taxpayers and they contribute to to our to our communities. I'd be interested to see how going into this next legislative session if this information will inform any decisions or bills that get put forward because i mean 12.4 well excuse me though that's federal 10.7 million is a lot of money in tax revenue and especially after we've had sort of ups and downs with tax revenue and budget crises and seeing how all those fiscally responsible Republicans would probably like to have that $10.7 million and whether that's going to outweigh their, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it, racist behavior and racist policies. Uh, if the if the money figure is going to, I hate this word, trump that that sort of xenophobia. I think it's up to... It's incumbent on us and and other other folks who care about this issue to make sure that 
that our legislators know know the information and get the facts. But I also know that, and I I know I, I think we agree on this that that the that the governor and the Republicans who are in charge of the legislature have never really let uh, facts get in the way of of making their policy. No. So so I think we can be hopeful, but uh, but and give them the information, but we can only do so much uh, to to inform them. Uh, but we're going to do everything we can, I know. So it's no secret that we love Liz Lenz on this podcast, but she had another stellar article this week uh, titled, Men, Are You Okay? Because they, in her experience and in my experience, they they are not often okay. And as as a dude, Matt... How do you, I'd like you to, to speak on behalf of the entire dude population. Are men okay? Uh, that's a lot to ask, but. Uh, well, I've had to answer for all women, so it's your fair. turn. Okay. Um, in general, probably not. Um, and, and I read her column, which was really well written as always. And, and I think that there's, uh, there's absolutely something to what she is is putting out there. Um, and so I, I don't have an answer for it, but I think I would generally agree with, with what, with what she's writing. Um, and, and, and I think we should, well, we should definitely include the link, um, to her column in this, for this week's podcast. But, um, but I think that there's, there's a number of things that we could talk about that, like that, that impact all of this. I think the the one of the things that we do as an organization um, is, and we we need to put out another report soon. But the fact that that our Iowa media is so uh, uh, tilted toward uh, toward men and 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 specifically white men um, being interviewed, uh, like there's uh, so there's fewer voices of of color fewer voice fewer female voices in media for everyone at home who's screaming at their speaker hashtag not all men um it doesn't have to be something that you specifically do you it is incumbent on you to change the culture that makes it so that these these men can continue that that they do continue to instigate mass shootings and perpetuate domestic violence. And I mean, even getting down to actions as small as catcalling or uh, interrupting or talking over people or small microaggressions that if, if you're not doing something to fix it, to be an accomplice, to be a quote unquote gender traitor and come over to the side of making progress, it is all men. You are part of the all men. Oh, Lauren, I think you're absolutely right. And it's incumbent on every single man to do a better job of of understanding where what we can do in our own personal lives. And and then in a bigger picture from a public policy perspective and just in a cultural perspective, how to um, how to make sure that this doesn't or how, how to do the best possible possible in the best possible way to make sure that 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 the culture doesn't continue in the way that it that it has been and and i think the i mean to be to bring it back to me personally 
I mean, I think, or to use myself as an example, I mean, I, I think when you talked about the mass shootings, you're right on, you're, you're spot on. I mean, when you think about the, the vast majority of gun deaths in this country are suicides, and the majority of those are committed by mi- middle-aged or older white white men, uh, the, the, ma- the, the majority of mass shooting perpetrators are white men. I mean, I'm usually with a history of domestic violence. Right. So I guess in that case, I'm not the profile, yeah. but 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 I am the profile. Uh, you know, white men are the profile of of most of the gun most of the gun violence in this country, and so so the the more we can do to even in small ways and obviously in big ways too, but in, in any way possible to shift the culture in in a more positive direction, um, we absolutely should should do that. It seems so small, but voting for people who are going to affect change that bring or in people that bring these issues to the fore, talking about domestic violence protections or reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, which Congress is still not Congress, the Senate is still dragging its feet on and ensuring that every day we're doing something to change the culture, but you can only change the culture so much before you have to change the law. And that was a line from On the Basis of Sex, but we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> it's a good, it's an important line, though. It is an I mean, important line. And and our, those two things can go hand in hand because as, because you can't, you, you can't, in so, sometimes, and it's, one can outpace the other, basically, because if you, to get the laws that we need, sometimes you have to, and in order to elect the people to enact those laws, you need these small cultural shifts so that people are changing their minds over the course of time. But then to actually have, you know, meaningful, real, long lasting, meaningful change, there has to be legal change. There has to be laws on, there have to be laws on the books that, that, that make things a little make things more fair and more more equitable and especially at a time when reproductive freedoms are just being like snatched away left and right we really do need advocates in office who are going to go fight those fights and not compromise and trade away the rights that we have fought so hard for yeah and in the meantime we will continue to enjoy Liz Lenz and her columns and anyone who lends that type of voice to, to these issues. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.